0: I think actually today's youth is very open-minded in China and they are very embracing of their uniqueness in a way that has never been seen before in Chinese society
1: Hey everyone, this is Will from Beijing, China, and welcome to our brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. As you know, China is no longer a strange name for international travelers. But meanwhile, in the past decades, China has become the promised land for international investors. A lot more guests across the world flooded to the country the purposes of very simple, business, culture, and the people. Gabby Gabriel is American and Shanghai expert, as she quoted, and labeled by the BBC. And when she moved to Shanghai in the year of 2012, and she actually knew no one, but she immediately delved into Chinese culture and emerged as an influential leader and a local celebrity. And with her passion for teaching and bringing people together, Gabby has built her follow- following on Chinese channels over 50,000 people. Under Gabby's influence, she founded one of China's most instrumental LGBTQ organizations, and she connects over 30,000 people nationwide. Her social media content also generates more interesting and diverse topics, Now, I have the honor, all the way from Shanghai, connect with our distinguished guest, Gabby. Gabby, welcome to our show.
0: Thank you. I'm very excited to be here and hello to all of your guests.
1: Thank you, Gabby. Now, let's get to the questions. Again, it's so interesting that when you initially moved to China, you literally didn't know anyone. And I think most of us are interested in knowing how did you feel that being a stranger in this huge country or even in this city that have no connection whatsoever, what prompted you to keep going instead of saying, eh, let's pack it up, let's go home?
0: Well, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think, you know, I was young. I, I was, I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult for me when I first moved here and I did want to perhaps leave because it was just so much more different from what I was expecting. However, you know, there were a couple things at play. One, I was an English teacher actually when I first moved here and I had my contract. So I wanted to honor my commitment. And then secondly, it was kind of changing my mindset. Mm. In the beginning, you know, I have, before I moved to China, I traveled a lot all over the world. However, not a lot in Asia. So it was my first time really coming to Asia actually. And I came to Asia with more expecting to find the West, Mm. you know, so I was here, expecting it to be like a european country or like australia where i had studied so it was kind of changing my mindset to realize i was wrong you know i i shouldn't have come to china expecting to find a western country i came to china to discover asian culture Mm. and my shift in mindset it took maybe six months to a year is when I started to appreciate and instead of be judging or instead of being uh, not comfortable with all of the differences, trying to understand the differences in a deeper way.
1: Hmm, Gabby, you know one thing that during what you just said, it's more about stepping out the comfort zone and willing to try and willing to again, as what I said in in the intro, is to dive into the Chinese culture. But when I was introducing you at the beginning, I would say, right now, you are one of the most influential leader locally. And of course, with your business and with your growth, we could say internationally. Gabby, in reality is there are a lot more non-Chinese residents are living in China and living in the major big cities, Beijing, Shanghai, and you name it. It's rather difficult for them to, number one, understand the word influence. And number two is how to grow their influence, become influential. So Gabby, the question to you is, number one, what does that mean? to be an influential leader today and number two how did you grow your influence little by little can you walk us through your journey a bit
0: sure i think there's a couple different definitions to the word influence in today's society one aspect could be about how many the number of people that perhaps follow a person online and and their and the what they're doing, and you know whether they're a KOL on Chinese channels and they want to sell products to their fans, or if they're a political figure or business leader. So one is of course about the quantity. Another aspect of it, however, is about the quality of the people in your sphere, especially as you know, business leader or um, someone in society who is connected to other influential people, you can have influence, perhaps even in a greater capacity if mm. your quality, if you have a lot of quality people in your circle. So, um, you know, what it means to me is. For me, I'm all about positive impact, positive mm. change, uh, finding the way to bring better to the world through what, what I'm best at. Mm. My talent happens to be kind of marketing and an inspiration, I would say, and finding the different ways to create impact, be it through the clients that I have or through the content I produce for my following or for how I would like to bring my thoughts into the world. I believe that influence can be, you know, not necessarily, you don't need to have a lot of followers to be influential. You, I, I love this quote actually by Toni Morrison. Mm. You know, she said to her, your, your, your legacy is every life you touch. Mm. So by being an influential person, even within your own friend circle and your family, you are, by default, having an impact on the world. Of course, you know, from my perspective, being influential can just be being a good person and letting those vibes re- reverberate from you. Um, you know, perhaps like from our, from the the organization I have, the LGBT organization. A lot of the strategies or activities that we did, a lot of other organizations in China copied. And in that sense, it's very influential because then it's not just our organization who does this, then many other organizations embrace it as well. So that's another form of influence. I don't Mm. know if this is... Answering
1: your question, no, Gabby, you put it very well. Especially, it's amazing that how you borrow the quote from Toni Morrison, and we know that she's one of the profound writers for centuries and also influence for the world. You're right because when we talk about influence, I agree with what Toni Morrison said, and also agree with what you said is. Being influential, that that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a lot more followers. It's actually about the people around you. Now, Gabby, we talk about social media all the time. And today we are living in this day and age where social media platforms will be the shortcuts for anyone to become, quote, influential. So from your perspective, Today in China, we have different uh, platforms to promote ourselves or our brand, you know, as a marketing strategy, comparing with what Western um, a world or compare with other countries, what they're using. Again, uh, you don't have to share with me or share with us the secret of your success, but can you help us to understand from your perspective what is the role of social media today in terms of? being influential or building influence as a person?
0: So there are a few different qualities, I would say. One is that you're speaking from a place of authenticity. And when you're creating content, you are best prepared to serve the person you once were. So when you are building a personal brand, Especially related to personal branding, this does not necessarily apply for big brands mm. in the Chinese, but for a personal brand, you're best prepared. I mean, for a personal brand, you're best prepared to serve the person you once were mm. what your former struggles you know, for me, like maybe two years ago, three years ago, I was a very new entrepreneur. Now I have a pretty good sized business. I'm best able to create content around people who may be just starting their business because I've been there before. Mm. I know what it's like to go from zero to one. At the same time, perhaps, you know, maybe it could be teaching English or it could be traveling. <laughs> if you are, you know, like teaching someone how to embrace an international lifestyle. When you're thinking about building content around yourself, it's what are you really an expert on? What have you overcome or what have you or, or what are you overcoming? You know, you can also document the process of going from zero to one. That's also interesting. Um, And I think authenticity is extremely important because your audience will know whether what you're saying is real. I mean, from the heart, Mm. that's what I mean, authenticity. Mm. You know, you don't necessarily have to be a PhD, like, and actually most influencers are not, right? Most of them are not actually trained specialists. They just become very dedicated to a certain topic that really resonates with their audience. So those are a few
1: thoughts. That's right, Gabby, I agree with you. You don't need a PhD in order to become so influential. So that's why I don't invite a lot more scholars with a PhD degree in their pockets and then lecture us about being influential or teaching us about how to be an influencer today. You know. So again, it's better that we have the people who are more authentic and more genuine in terms of committing or uh, engaging with the local communities. But Gabby, as you mentioned during the interview, let's talk about something regarding the LGBT community. Again, in the intro, it says under your influence that you founded one of the China's most instrumental LGBTQ organizations. Gabby, what does that mean? Because I think given the condition that this term or this name might be sensitive domestically, you know, given the condition, what took you to take on this approach? And what were you? Or maybe what are you trying to accomplish? Or what message are you trying to communicate with the world
0: well starting the lgbt organization honestly only came from a place of trying to make friends when i first moved to china in 2012 and i asked my chinese friends like hey where are the gay people in this city (laughs) (laughs) they told me there were no gay people and and actually i started to believe them because i couldn't you know, two years in, I didn't meet one LGBT person, at least none that were out. Mm. And it wasn't until 2014, I was at lunch at the Shanghai brewery, and I heard at the table next to me, someone say the word lesbian. And I was like, oh my God, lesbian, I'm a lesbian too. And through meeting those people, they introduced me to the kind of underground scene mm. of going from, um, that existed and was organized back then via email because mm. WeChat hadn't even really come out yet. Right. And it was a monthly meetup. So when I first uh, started, I mean, it, my organization started then. Um, WeChat had come out. They were organizing via email, and I said, "Hey, why don't we go ahead and um, make a WeChat group?" And that's where it all started. And it, you know, it went from 50 people in 2014 to the thousands that we have today. And really, you know, it's it's honestly about there's no political agenda here. It's purely a community of people to meet people in a friendship capacity. I mean, if, if romance comes out of it, great, but that's not <laughs> the main objective. Of course. Uh, because, you know, just like, I always give the analogy, if you're a Chinese person and you are in Texas and you're, you know, you could have a great life there just on your own, but you would maybe wanna meet some other Chinese people. You're there alone you know, it's a it's your community. You want to eat some Chinese food. Even though you have American friends and they can totally be great friends to you and you guys can have a lot of fun, there's still something special about you guys both being Chinese and in, in, in Texas together. Same thing with the LGBT community, you know, of course we have lots of straight friends, but there are some experiences that are unique to being part of this community that we can only really understand from each other's perspective that people who are not in the community won't understand. So that's why it's important for minority groups to have these types of organizations where they can connect at a deeper level. And my mission, I mean, and what to me is like, in talking about how you are best able to serve who you once were. Mm. You know, I came, I was 15 years old in high school in, in the United States. And back then, actually, it wasn't cool to be LGBT. Now it's much more accepted mm. and in very much in American society, you'll see lots of LGBT characters on TV, on, online, etc. But back then that was not the case. And I remember thinking, you know, I, I thought that society was wrong and I, I did believe that they were wrong, that, that LGBT is okay. So my mission through Hong which is the Chinese name of the community, is that to, to give a safe place to connect in a, in a community sense, and then also to encourage people to be their true selves and to be empowered by being LGBT, mm. you know, there's nothing wrong with, it's you, like, if you're born that way, which I believe you are, you know, to, to prefer same sex relationship over an opposite sex, like why is that, that is nothing to be ashamed of. Mm. Um, my mission is to live authentically as my, through my identity as being kind of more genderqueer LGBT person, but also then to have a, a place where other people can feel empowered by who they are and not to be ashamed for who they are.
1: Thank you, Gabby. Now, the next question I wanna center around on younger generations in China today. There's no denying that the younger generations in China today are being influenced by the multicultural existence. Either you could say in a, from America or from the European perspective. Now, when you are say right now you're living in Shanghai and you are, I guess, surrounded with a lot more younger generations, either for business opportunities or for entrepreneurship and for any other reasons or community engagement. Comparing with when you came to Shanghai back in 2012, did you realize any differences among the younger generations today in China? And if you were to describe them, or if you were to describe their identities, how should we define them today?
0: Um, Okay, so comparing the differences between um, the West, the multicultural in the West versus how the culture is in China. Is that right? Yeah. I just want to make sure. Um, and how I would define them. Um, let me think.
1: Did you, did Uh, you see any, again, let me, let me, let me craft the question better. So, so, um, maybe it's not confusing. Gabby, let's say 2012 when you came to China and then you witnessed the younger generation spectrum in China. Comparing with what you witnessed before, how would you describe the younger generations today in China? What changed? Okay, okay. And what what is there anything positive? Or is there anything that's surprising? Or maybe came out as, I've never seen before this type of feeling among the the youth in China. Does that make sense? Yes. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I think actually today's youth is very open-minded in China. And they are very embracing of their uniqueness in a way that has never been seen before in Chinese society. Because, I mean, this is just my outside of observation, mm. uh, especially dealing with Gen Z. They're all about being unique and also in the way we approach marketing to Gen Z. It's about helping uh, facilitating how the brand can provide a unique experience or a unique product to Gen Z that matches their individual characteristics. So I think that in that way, they're also much more open-minded about their maybe differences. It could be if they're LGBT, it could be Do they, are they a surfer? Mm -hmm. You know, they're more comfortable being different, whatever that means. And I think that's really going to make China become even more dynamic and creative in business and also in technology. Because having people not being afraid to embrace difference leaves room for creativity in a way that has been really fundamental, to success in the United States.
1: Now, Gibby, I'm going to ask another question again, going back to younger generations. You say today, the millennials in China, they are more open-minded. But needless to say, people around me, or maybe I should get more friends, people around me tend to be afraid of failures, and they tend to have this back and forth personality and also the word tenacity gradually got diminished over the decades. So you as an a, a Shanghai expert or even a Chinese influencer at this moment, what would you say some of the drawbacks that you experienced or maybe you saw about Chinese youth today?
0: Yes, I agree with you that actually a lot of Chinese people are risk averse. You know, they're afraid to go against what their parents think. That's like the number one drawback I see with youth, Chinese youth, Mm. is they're afraid to go against their parents. And I believe that is damaging to society that. You know, basically Chinese culture has this hand-me-down of, all right, you're a kid. Everything you do has to make your parents happy. Mm. Then you have a kid. Then your life revolves around that kid. So it's kind of this endless circle. What about creating a life that you actually want to live? Sometimes, I mean, not always, sometimes there is alignment between the parents and the child. However, a lot of times there isn't. Mm. And you will find a lot of Chinese youth living the life their parents want, not the life they want. Mm. And I think that's a huge challenge for Chinese kids today is like, okay, how far is too far in going down your parents' path? Hmm. And I think that's a sacrifice that I wouldn't be willing to make. And I mean, that's one of the key differences between Americans and Chinese is that American families, the, the children are much more individualistic. They're not, they're less willing to compromise their own values for the sake of their parents. However, in China, because of being a more uh, family society, children oftentimes sacrifice their own wants or needs or desires or dreams to make their parents happy. And I think then that is where this double personality can come in, where, you know, maybe they have some personality because of the job they have because their parents chose that job Mm. and then have a different personality after work or you know when they're meeting up with people secretly it's I don't think that's healthy and it is isn't. I mean that is definitely going to be one of the biggest challenges I've witnessed for Chinese youth today
1: thank you Gabby Now, I got two more questions before letting you go. I know you're very busy. You have a lot of uh, uh, tasks uh, on your plate. But Gabby, the next question I want to ask is, today, when people look at China, very much different from the way they used to view this country. You are living in China. You, You have your own business. You have your own community. So in other words, not only that you are doing what the Romans do, but also you elevated the meaning of when you roam, do as Romans do. So today, back back home, if anyone were to ask you, Gabby, how would you describe China today? What would you tell them?
0: Okay, well, that's a great question. Thank you for the very flattering comment. I would say that China is arguably one of the most dynamic places in the world right now. I love all of the opportunity and the the vibe, especially of Shanghai. You know, there's this buzz. There's this hungry feeling in the city to grow, mm. to make something, you know, be it individually or as as company or or i think even as a culture there's a hunger here right now that is different from other places in the world and i would say another element is it's extremely technologically advanced Mm. i'd say China has to be one of the most in terms of like social tech social technology it is the most advanced place in the world for that the apps that exist the infrastructure for traveling even just between cities on train it's much more advanced than the united states in that way so you know i think like one part is the dynamicist the other part is about the technology and all of the apps that exist for everything and <laughs> how easy it is to live here and because of technology, like leveraging technology to make life better is really the ethos here. You know, we can see it with how we have the COVID QR code and that whole system. I mean, it organized 1.4 billion people. That's amazing. There's just so much to admire about Chinese society today and and part of the reason why I love living
1: here. Mm. Gabby, the last question I want to ask is we all know that when we come into a land, not only we hope to be stabilized, but also to prosper. I think this is very important. Back in the days when I was living in the States, of course, I picture myself five years, 10 years, even 20 years down the road, what my life would like, you know, continuously. So Gabby to you is you have, again, as a entrepreneur, as the business owner, again, as a community organizer, where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself in this country in the long run? In
0: the long run, you know, it's all about business, I would say, you know, if, if, I have a following outside of my business, that's a bonus, but my main goal is to build a successful marketing and advertising agency that started in Shanghai and started really from a place, a loving place, from Mm. a place of passion, from a place of integrity and sincere exploration for the international market in China. I love being a bridge between Shanghai and China and the rest of the world. You know, it's so much fun to help Americans or help Europeans go from, okay, they wanna bring their product to China and like, how do we do that? You know, from the market entry to even more seasoned brands that are, who have been in China for a while, but maybe the team they worked with totally, didn't totally understand the values that they could bring to the Chinese market. Mm. So number one, I love, I love doing my business here. And I sincerely consider myself blessed, uh, extremely blessed because I love my life so much. And, you know, I created a life for myself here. That's really enjoyable. and, And I'm just so happy. I think that My long-term experience is to, I'd like to make Gap China a global business, Mm. you know, so many marketing and advertising agencies, they started in New York, they started in London and then they came to Asia, but I believe the next 30 to 50 years is going to be Asia going to the world Mm. and I want to be part of that process.